Welcome to another edition of The Stun Show. My name is Mark Zomick. This is the Nachum Siegel Network. And I am excited to have the discussion today with our guest. But before we begin, I would like to say, and probably likely for only the second or third time in our network history, that this might not be a conversation that all your children should be in the room for. So forewarned is forearmed. Not that there's anything that we're going to say that is in any way inappropriate, but it might cause your younger family members to ask questions that you might not yet be comfortable answering for them, but hopefully one day you will. Our guest this morning is Rabbi, this evening, excuse me, is Rabbi Daniel Schombach, who is a marriage and family therapist who specializes in marriage counseling for Orthodox couples. His relationship-based approach to counseling has helped hundreds of couples improve their marriages and resolve issues in marital intimacy. Rabbi Daniel Schombach has trained in emotionally focused therapy at the Ackerman Institute for the Family and is a member of ASECT and the author of At Risk, Never Beyond Reach, and First Aid for Jewish Marriages. He resides in New York City with his wife and children and maintains office hours in Flatbush Crown Heights and Cedarhurst. He has a website called JewishMarriageSupport.com. Rabbi Schombach, welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, thank, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. When I read about your book in, um, in, I guess, one of the Jewish publications a couple months ago, I did two things. I looked to find out how to contact you, and I went on probably Amazon and ordered the, ordered the book immediately. Um, I think that, um, a- and as a disclaimer, so I don't get in trouble when my family members hear this interview, Baruch Hashem, I am happily married for the past almost 25 years, but I found that... Um, Reading the book was um, interesting, informative, and eye-opening for me. And I think that what you have done with the book, which we'll discuss, is be able to is contextualize in terms of halacha and uh, rabbinic literature over the past 2,500 years things that we tend to be less comfortable talking about. So um, that is our focus for our uh, our program today. How did you um, get into this area of, uh, as a rabbi, certainly, how did you get into this area of um, specialty? Well, uh, in addition to being a rabbi, I'm a marriage and family therapist. I've been working with families for many years. I started out working with teenagers at risk, 
then moved into the field of marriage counseling, did extra training in the field, and uh, started working with hundreds of couples that were either uh, engaged or married, and many of them, of course, were having problems. Um, I was lucky enough to study something called Emotionally Focused Therapy, which is a scientifically-based system to helping couples talk about emotions and focus on the important issue of something called attachment or bonding, which we believe is the biological necessity. That's one of the reasons I called my new book, uh, Getting Closer, Understanding and Treating Issues in Marital Intimacy, A Guide for Orthodox Couples. And um, what I noticed after years of counseling couples is often they were not describing to me, even in counseling, some of the more uh, sensitive issues and intimacy they were experiencing. So um, I wrote this book to help uh, young couples or older married couples, Orthodox couples, talk about these issues. If they're not comfortable talking about them in, in my office, then... I felt they should be reading about them at home, and perhaps I call this a form of bibliotherapy. You give people books to read, and they're more comfortable dealing with important issues. And, and it's interesting, and, you know, I, I guess society has made, um, th- th- these are, you know, the word is intimate, I guess, for a reason, right? And um, society certainly, and probably more from society, these things aren't really discussed. Um, and again, one of the things that I took away from the fact that there was a book was that this is hopefully becoming a little bit more of an open discussion, obviously a private open discussion, but an open discussion between especially young people and professionals. And I'm not sure, you know, and this is sort of what struck me when I read the book, was we spend, we, the royal we of halachic society, a great deal of time teaching our kids about Shabbos and Kashrut and even Taharat HaMeshpacha, but spend less time talking about things that the Gemara doesn't spend less time talking about. And halacha, as you, you know, as you quote, doesn't spend less time talking about. But for some reason when we're, some reason when we're educating our older children, we spend less time talking about. That's very true. I mean, there's, there's two areas which parents uh, and our community needs to help young couples or couples learn about. And those two areas are, A, uh, communication in relationships, and, two, what to do when there's problems in intimacy, because what else defines the specialness of the marriage relationship other than that intimacy? Now, on the, on the first part, you know, um, although couples will take uh, Hudson and Kala classes and prepare for those classes, um, they don't necessarily get a lot of relationship education. So you can understand about the halakhic cycles, about Nida, and other important things in Jewish law. But what really defines most of married life is communication. How do couples speak to one another? How do they express their feelings to one another? And more importantly, how they listen to one another. And of course, how they resolve conflict when there's uh, problems in a relationship, which all relationships have some problems at some point. Now, if a couple is lucky, they, came, they, they both came from good families, and they had models of proper and healthy communication they learned from their parents. But the fact is many people do not come from families that were necessarily the healthiest families, and if they didn't learn these skills, it's extremely important to learn them at some point. So I hope that more and more couples take the time to take pre-marriage workshops or go for some pre-marriage education and to not look at pre-marriage education as something stigmatized, but something as necessary. That's part one. 
Part two, when it comes to intimacy, I found that many Orthodox couples who are having problems in the area don't know who to turn to for help. So they often go to secular sources, which, of course, there's chokhmah, there's wisdom out there, but sometimes some of the advice is kind of inappropriate. So one of the reasons I wrote this book is to give couples insight into problems in marital intimacy, but give them what I'd call a more kosher and balanced understanding of how to deal with problems that may arise during the marriage. Mm-hmm. And and I think that you do that quite well by contextualizing it. I want to go back to to one of the earlier things that you said in the in your in your comments. Certainly, the chassan and kala classes that most of us take and have taken are very halachic type of or. I can't think of a word more than halachic, but uh, but technical perhaps is the better word, um, and non-emotional type of conversa- uh, of uh, of learning that we do. And I think what you're bringing in is the real uh, emotional inti- intimacy, which really does have to exist before the physical inti- intimacy has to exist. And and I think one of the points that you make in the book, and I'm certainly paraphrasing a number of scenarios that you laid out. Because even if you come from a good home, right, which Baruch Hashem, most of our listeners do, but even if you come from a good home, the way a husband and a wife talk to each other on Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock affects their intimacy on, you know, Friday night at 10 o'clock. And and, and I think that that's something that, that younger men certainly are very, very taken aback by when they get married. Well, of course, because, you know, when a couple gets married, they start in a state of, uh, of illusion, it's called. And something happens along the way. It might happen after the first year, during the first year. It often happens when um, then we start having children, there's more stresses, and, and the husband or, and the wife are working hard and late hours. And uh, at some point, uh, some one of the two individuals feel they're not getting something they expected. They're not getting enough attention, they're not getting enough closeness, not getting enough relationship. And they begin a power struggle, and they start, you know, fighting with one another. So they really need to learn some really important skills, how to connect when things aren't going the way they expect. And the second point you mentioned is correct. You see, intimacy is a, it's just an extension of emotion. So if you don't have good emotional connection, it's very hard to have good intimate connection as well. So I, one of the things I do in my book, Getting Closer, is I kind of reframe what intimacy is. I believe intimacy is a form of communication. Emotions are one form. Intimacy is another form of communication. So when you teach couples uh, how to communicate better, you're also helping them have better intimate lives. And that's and and that's very important. I think you know they they forget to tell us beyond the physical that men and women are different in every way, shape, or form, and we communicate with each other differently. And we need to acknowledge the fact that when I say something, she hears something else, and more likely vice versa is the case, um, because men I think are a little bit clearer than than sometimes women are, and that 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 certainly puts uh, a damper on the communication. Um, it, it's also interesting, and, 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 and focusing perhaps on the perception of uh, of what the non-from slash non-Jewish society views as from views of intimacy. 
And, I, I, you know, as I talk to people who I work with, who I'm friendly with outside the community, their conception of us and our um, our, intim- our intimate relationships is very, it almost says, well, they're, I'm sure that you don't, they can't imagine that we can have the similar kind of intimate relationships as they do. I mean, that, that's, I think, a myth that has been out there for a long time. Well, I mean, if you look at the, the real studies and, you, and, and you're in the field, you start seeing it's quite quite the opposite because the reality is, look, the, the Torah has a very uh, extremely positive view of the importance of closeness and intimacy. And it says in the Torah, and Bracious says, When the person wants to get ma- married, he goes he leaves his mother and father. The And he cleaves with his wife. And they become one flesh. Um, Rashi says, what does one flesh mean? It means they have a child together. I guess in modern terms, they share genetic material together and create one body. But that's a great source as well for the psychological concept of attachment or bonding. The purpose of a marriage, a Jewish marriage, is to become basar echad. Not just in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense as well. But this is one of the things you learn about in marriage therapy, is that couples that have a good emotional relationship Couples that ultimately view each other as friends, as partners, as both on the same team, have much better intimate lives as well. So when the outside world looks in, they may not be seeing things the way they are. Our marriages tend to be stronger, have more community support, are value-based, are uh, are beloved by our community. We enhance, we work towards uh, keeping marriages going. And when a couple does this right, they have a much greater chance of having a much more extensive and happy, intimate life as well. Which leads, of course, to everything else, because that's, the, as you said earlier, that's what's different about being, you know, in a in a marriage, in a long-term committed relationship, is that intimacy that you can't have with anybody else. Very much so, and that's why on my book I focus on a great theory called attachment theory. There was a famous psychiatrist, who died in 1990 but started working in the later 40s. His name was John Bowlby. John Bowlby was a great British psychiatrist, and he coined the term attachment theory. But attachment theory basically means, in a nutshell, is just like a child, a little baby, needs attachment with his or her mother. You know, like a little baby needs his mother for warmth, for food. If the child's sick, she, she takes care of the child. The child's hungry, she feeds the child, and so on. And a child needs a sense of affection and warmth from the mother. So, too, do adults need levels of attachment. But unlike their childhood where their mother or father is around, when you're an adult, you still need attachment. But that attachment, now you have to negotiate. And you can negotiate that special attachment with one's partner. And what's important to understand is, the more one experiences bonding in one's marriage, the more one experiences what Bowlby calls attachment through marriage, the more they feel they have a safe haven. If they're in danger or they're scared or things are hard in life, they can return back to their attachment figure. And they have a safe, uh, safe home. They have a place of security they can go back to, a secure base, it's called. You know in life when you, when you have a, a loving spouse, you have this internalized sense that somebody has my back that there's another person thinking about me, there's somebody there for me. And that really strengthens 
the person's ability to be more successful in life and to be more happy in life. Therefore, the couples that work on attachment, more close emotional and physical attachment, are often healthier couples. The couples that don't work on it, that have a breakdown in communication or difficulties in intimacy, have much greater problems in life in general. So the real focus needs to be, in all marriages, an enhanced sense of attachment, which has many benefits that I just mentioned. Right, and and I think attachment um, is obviously a great word um, because and and one of the things that also are that I'm seeing as I'm reading the book and being able to intellectualize it is that we we tend to in our minds and in our society separate intimacy from. Um, I shouldn't say, let's say it this way. We, we, we tend to separate the emotional intimacy from the physical intimacy in two separate things. But, but based on what I'm reading in your book, halacha doesn't treat it that way. You know, you're, you're quoting the Ravad, you know, where here are a list of things that preclude you from physical intimacy, and they're all barriers to emotional intimacy. Yeah, you know, uh, very much so. I mean, the Rava, the Rajat, and, and others uh, have some beautiful understanding. Um, the the Rajat notes, for example, uh, one uh, cannot force one's wife into having intimacy if she's unwilling. Um, if one of them is in the first week of mourning, if one is thinking about another person, if they're fighting, if one of them is drunk. So Hazal have, um, have defined for us the importance of, uh, you know, a very loving relationship. Um, and, and therefore, we have a lot of guidance in Chazal for all the proper things that are necessary before one engages. One has to have a sense of love and friendship and enjoyment before one engages in more intimate acts. And and, and I think that's also, you know, as again, as I speak to my friends uh, who are not in, you know, in this parsha, as we say, who live in this in this kind of world, that's something for them for, for that that's very hard for them to wrap their head around. That this emotional intimacy and this physical intimacy need to be there together. Um, and I think that even as we learn the halacha, I don't think that as a kid, if I learned the halacha, and I'm sure that I did, about the um, the restrictions during uh, during Avelos on marital intimacy, it would have occurred to me that the reason was because of the husband. In, in that case, the husband and wife really can't be on the same wavelength. And similarly, I guess on Yom Kippur, you'd make the same case, that if I'm really concerned about Yom Kippur, there's no way that I can connect with uh, my spouse at the same time. So, yes, and, and you see the, the Chazal will look at uh, the marriage relationship. The word that Chazal used for marriage relationship is called Mitzvah Ona. Mitzvah Ona. And if you look at the word Ona, uh, Ona is also it's the word La'anot, to answer, uh, to be receptive to, to be attuned to the other person. So the whole concept of all the way they frame the whole concept of physical relationship as a, it's a means of responsiveness. One has to be attuned to the feelings, to the other being of one's wife or one's husband. When one is attuned to that reality, they're actually fulfilling the mitzvah in a proper way. So if Chazal, throughout the ages, certainly if the Gemara... Um, and, and in a number of places, some of which you quote, is open about having this discussion. How do we, as let's call ourselves adults in the community, 
help open that discussion for the next generation, whether it's in yeshivot or seminaries, um, for for our young men and women as they enter this parsha? How do we? Uh, you know, and a comment I made to you before we went on the air. I would think that days of therapy in advance of marriage would likely cancel out years of years of therapy after marriage begins. How do we get this? How, how do we sell this to the community? I mean, they're teaching all these other halachos. These are halachos just as equally. How do we sell this to the community? Well, you know, one of the things which needs to be done is to establish a whole network of marriage educators. And some of the first responders, obviously, are the, you know, the custom and college teachers, rabbis and rebbitsons and so on. So I believe that we have to introduce marriage and communication and intimacy education into the uh, the preparations that couples are doing when they go to their custom and college classes. And two is the reality is, look, the world has changed so dramatically in the last 20 years, primarily because of the Internet. Um, any child today, unfortunately, has almost automatic access when they get to a certain age of information about sexuality. And so if that's the reality, it's saying to us as a community, I, we should be there before the Internet gets there. So it would be very advisable at some point, working with Rabunim in a very sensitive way, to talk about sexuality with children at a younger stage, especially when they start entering into puberty, have a discussion about what really is intimacy. Explain that it's a form of attachment, a form of closeness. It can be used or it can be misused. Unfortunately, our society misuses it for selling products, for selling things, for making things attractive, which are just on a very external level. But there's a real depth to sexuality. There's a real depth to intimacy. And it's an important thing that every child, when they're an adult, can experience with his or her spouse. So I think we need to start the what we call sex education earlier on. Let's call it intimacy education. And before they get married, they need to have the kind of constant conferences which also incorporate information about this. And yes, talk about some of the things I talk about in the book. What happens if there's problems in these areas? What happens if people are uncomfortable? What happens if there's physical pain? What happens if, God forbid, somebody was molested or experienced sexual trauma and now they're married and they're shutting down from intimate relations with their spouse? How do they deal with those problems? Of course, you can't make it too scary for young cousin and Kala, but you can enter into a discussion that, you know, things don't always work and people have problems in this world, but hey, here are some of the good solutions. There's so much, there's so many solutions to sexual problems. There's so much good therapy. There's good marital therapy. There's good sexual therapy. There's school, there's tools and skills people can use even if they have these things and if they do they should contact somebody for help earlier than later so how do you then frame the argument again I, 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 I certainly already feel pushback from today's educators about educating 13 year old boys um, you know uh, on some of these topics for fear of well he wasn't thinking of it until now and now he's going to be thinking of it how do you push that argument away or- well I mean I just don't, it's, a, it's just an historical reality I'm not I'm not the one to define what age it started maybe it's not 13 maybe it's 16 maybe it's 17 but the point I'm bringing out is uh, we can close our eyes to the reality but the reality is they're getting information much earlier than we can even ever imagine. I'm hearing stories about people finding out about significant sexual information 
in fourth and fifth grade in very from yeshivas. Right, and they can't so contextualize it, right. Yes, and therefore the information, let's be honest, it's just out there. And, you know, again, either they get it to the Internet or they get it from their parents or the community in a healthy way. I, I suggest the second rather than the first. <laughs> Uh, all things being equal, I think that we would all agree. Um, how so? So as children are children, young adults are getting exposed more and more to what is increasingly an open society where, um, and I think you asked the question in one of your chapters, and what's normal, right? How, how does that get reined back in to a sort of uh, to, to convince them that a halakhic framework is more beneficial to them than just be free and do whatever you like? Well, I kind of go back to the um, the depth of the attachment theory. Um, it's a serious discussion. It's a mature discussion to have with people. What brings the most amount of happiness in one's life? And what, what kind of behavior, attachment behavior, allows for good sexual relationship to occur and to continue? And uh, Tatcha's theory talks about this, the importance of being present for one's spouse, the importance of uh, being available and, and being sensitive to the other person's feelings. These are very, very important things. There's tremendous wisdom in the attachment theory. And I think it's, it's good to, to reframe sexuality from the way the secular world understands it within the framework of attachment theory, which is very closely associated to what the Torah understands as the purpose of marriage, to become Buster Akkad. So I think we have to sell kids that want to have more pleasure and more happiness and sustained pleasure and happiness within the context of a connected, attached, and bonded relationship. Wow. It's a lot to uh, to wrap your head around, certainly, as a teenager. Um, and, and the truth is, even from a chassan and kala, but I, but I do think that, 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 that your points about trying to get them in the room to have a discussion either separately or together before they get married is certainly better than having to deal with uh, any kind of issues later. Is the, um, so a couple comes to you, clearly, I would say, at, at, in, in most cases, unfortunately, at the last straw, right, where they don't know where else to go because they've tried everything between the two of them, is it safe to say that the biggest overall arching problem that they're going to have that you're going to be able to help with them with is being able to communicate better with each other? Well, for sure, according to most theories, communication is one of the biggest challenges uh, in people's relationships, especially couples that, uh, you know, come to me at a later stage. But yes, I do focus a lot on communication, but it's not only about communication. It's about building positive sentiment with one another. It's about building more affectionate behavior. So when couples come to me, I kind of help them communicate differently. For example, um, there's something called I messages, meaning the letter I versus you messages, Y-O-U messages. A you message would be when you when a couple comes in and the husband turns to the wife and says, you know, you're always angry at me. That's uh, a you message. But what happens is if a person comes in and is always blaming their spouse, when I tell anybody something that blames them, they tend to shut down, they tend to withdraw, they tend to react and attack backwards with more criticism. What couples need to do primarily is do something called I messages, what I'm experiencing. So uh, it's very hard for me when I'm yelled at. Um, I feel belittled sometimes. Um, I feel I don't measure up to your expectations. So what I try to help couples do is kind of communicate, you know, in a different fashion 
using iMessages. And, of course, the second part of that is that their spouse, or both of them, in this case, that one spouse, needs to listen and kind of validate and say, oh, sometimes uh, you feel belittled by me. Uh, you know, I didn't know that. And when the person expresses an iMessage and the other person responds with a validation, that's a very good sign that they're able to now to continue to do so and grow in a much healthier way in the relationship. So the first part is changing communication patterns. The second most important thing on finding marriage counseling is that people don't spend enough quality time with one another. So, you know, a husband's working busy, he's, he's a lawyer, he's an investment broker, she's a teacher, she's a psychologist, she's a principal, she's also an attorney or doctor, and they come home and they're raising their three or four children, they're in their mid-30s right now, let's say, and... Um, they spend very little time, you know, really connecting to one another. And any time they have when the kids are going off to bed, uh, and after they're sleeping, they go back to the Internet, they're on their cell phones, they're checking messages, they're watching videos. They're doing everything except turning towards one another, and they really need to do that more. Couples need to turn off all the Internet devices, the phone, the radio, the music, everything else, and just spend a few minutes a night just talking to one another, sharing appreciations for one another, talking about feelings to one another, just kind of face-to-face bonding. So often I coach couples in kind of stealing time for themselves, whether it's going out. I told the couple last night, they were extremely busy. I said, if you can't go out once every week or two together, go out with each other just for a few hours, have dinner, take a walk. You don't have to spend so much money, but kind of connect. So with most couples I'm seeing, A, I work on communication, and B, I work on trying to figure out the ways they can have more quality time with one another. You know, Rabbi Reisman, in one of his shiurim um, this past year, made the same exact Rosh Chodesh comment. So uh, I guess you're in uh, interesting rabbinical company. I'm in good company. Yes. good company. Um, So, you know, as as we sort of wrap up the conversation... when, when, what's your advice to couples who feel like they're struggling, who aren't yet ready to, you know, step out of their comfort zone into a doctor's office, into a therapist's office? What tips can you give, you know, couples on how to open up that dialogue of communication, how to get a little bit closer onto the same page? Well, the first step is uh, I would suggest couples take uh, marriage courses. There's a lot of different great marriage programs out there. There's a program called PREP. It's been around for 30 years. There's a program called PREPARE. There's one called PAIRS. There's many marriage programs around, and any married couple can sign up for a marriage course. And understand this. A marriage course, is there's no stigma attached. It's just couples trying to make good marriages into great marriages. People aren't coming with serious problems. They're coming because they want to learn basic skills. The second thing I would suggest is um, buying some great books on marriage. You know, there's some really great people out there doing some amazing work in instructing couples how to have good relationships. I would suggest to you two main books in this field. One is by a very famous and well-known marriage researcher and therapist named John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N, one of the biggest guys in the world today. And John Gottman wrote a book called Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. Fantastic book for any couple. The second book I would suggest is a book which the woman who trained me in, in emotionally focused therapy wrote. Her name is Sue Johnson, and the book she wrote is called Hold Me Tight. Um, it's a more emotionally focused, focused approach, but also very valuable. So couples that want to learn should take more courses in marriage. 
read some of the books. Um, they can also go to my website, and I have a lot of uh, videos on marriage. Learn about my books as well, and hopefully those will, those few things will be uh, steps in the right direction. Well, that sounds um, very helpful and worthwhile. As somebody who read your book, I think um, it uh, it lays out in very clear ways maybe things that should be obvious but aren't always obvious. And and it also one of my big takeaways was we often um, blame external reasons. I mean, you talk about um, whether it's physical issues or infertility issues or, to me, many of those issues are really the same issues that money and time and other stress would be. They are all barriers to, um, you know, to to the emotional intimacy that that, uh, we're trying to encourage. So, uh, Very much so. I mean, you know, couples have all types of problems, but uh, there's many things that they deal with, but there is advice and help, and I hope they get it when they need it. Well, I think that you are doing um, amazing work that has probably needed to be done for a very long time. I think that um, reading your the way you, you bring together, you know, halachic and uh, rabbinic sources over, you know, the millennia is very helpful, and I would encourage any... Um, any uh, Rebbe, any Machane who's teaching certainly high school kids, go out and get your book, even if they're not married, or maybe especially if they're not married, so they can know how to communicate and contextualize this for the next generation. Rabbi Daniel Schombach is a marriage and family therapist. His book, Getting Closer, is available in uh, all the usual places. I really do think I bought it on Amazon. Hopefully... Um, they're good at uh, making sure the, the pay, my payment got to the right place. So his website is Jewish Marriage Support. That's how I found him. That's how you you found him. I uh, thank you very much, Rabbi Schombach, for being our guest this morning, this this evening. Excuse me. It was a an extraordinarily informative and uh, and enlightening uh, uh, discussion for me and for our listeners. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back right after this message. This is The Stunt Show. This is Mark Zomick. This is the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Matas Weingast. Please join me on Sundays at 7 a.m. Eastern Time for JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Hi, this is Ellie Hagler. Please join me on Thursdays at 5 p.m. as the OU presents the Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, jmintheam.org. Welcome back to the Stun Show. This is Mark Zomik. I have uh, a very different guest than for our uh, first part of our show this morning. And as I introduced Daniel Laufer, um, I think that he could become my best friend in the entire world. For those of you who um, who have been with me at Smachot, one of the banes of my existence is the never-ending slideshow. And uh, if anybody ever asks me, I say, you have two choices, either show the slideshow with one song or put it up in the background during the smorg and everybody can watch it as long as you want. But it could be that our guest, this, our guest on the show today has found the third way. And so Daniel Laufer is the proprietor of a, of a website called Let'sBench.com. Let'sBench.com is a combination of multiple social media websites like Flickr, for example, and it allows you to create your own custom bencher for your simcha. And let's talk about it with our guest, Daniel Laufer. Welcome to the Stunt Show. Welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network. Hey, thank you very much. Hi, Mark. How are you? I am doing very well. Um, so what was, I, I assume, because you're probably nowhere near as cynical as I am, that your, your impetus for this, creating this uh, beautiful opportunity for, um, for a memorabilia at a simcha was not because you were um, a little tired of sitting through the never-ending slideshow. Well, I don't want to talk about the slide show, but I, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. But the impetus was really to to create a uh, a keepsake that is uh, full of Yiddishkeit, but also is sort of like a mini photo album that we can, you know, that a, that a family can hand out to their to their friends, uh, and that uh, uh, that you can have at a bar mitzvah, a wedding, uh, missions to Israel, fundraisers, uh, you name it. Uh, uh, I had a I had a nice family do a, do one for their uh, for their bubby, you know, for their 80th birthday. Uh, it's the kind of thing that sort of goes and and uh, become makes a adventure into a very very beautiful customized and and uh, you know lifelong kind of uh, kind of kind of keepsake. So let's walk through the a typical process that um, one of your customers would go through. They're going to go to the website called lessbench.com. Is is there an app or it's all interfaced on through the web? It is, uh, well, it's actually an online app. It's a web app. So, uh, you go to the website, that's bench.com, and, uh, and then you, you decide, first of all, you, you, you can go on there and you can build your own venture. I wanted to make it as easy as possible. I've made over the years for my family, uh, photo albums using the various sites that exist, which are great, but I've always found them to be very, very, um, uh, arduous. Uh, by, by the time you get to it, you're, you're ready to, to pull your hair out. So I wanted this to be something that was very easy. So we created an app, uh, an online app. You don't have to download anything. You just go online. You start your venture. You uh, choose your Nusach, you want Ashkenazi or Sephardi, Nusach Ari, you name it. Uh, then you choose your uh, the contents if you want uh, Hebrew only or if you want to have English transliteration and translation in there. Uh, you can choose that as well. Then you choose the kind of things that you want on a on a uh, on a photo album site, like a background color and things like that. And as soon as you hit go, it uh, creates a uh, generates a venture for you. And then the nice thing about it is basically you just upload your pictures, uh, drop them into pre-existing uh, slots that make it very very easy and quick. 
Uh, and uh, within, really, once you upload the pictures, you can create a venture within uh, within 10 minutes. Uh, and then, you know, you order it. It's an all-made-in-Israel uh, product and printed in Israel. We send it all from here. Um, I, 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 I noticed that after that, that for the nuschaot that are geared more towards the Israelis, I guess this comes back to the whole what we have patience to sit through. Um, there are eighteen, there are twenty-four pages and eighteen pictures, and the nuschaot that are geared towards American are forty-four pages and thirty-six pictures. So I guess you're assuming that Americans, I guess, have more patience to sit through more pictures, or it's just, I guess, the nature of the fact that the English adds size to the bencher, so it gives you more opportunity to put in more pictures. Yeah, basically that's it. Some people want to have just Hebrew, whether they're Americans or Canadians or or uh, from Australia or wherever they happen to be from. Some people just want to have lots of pictures. Some people want to have English. Some people want to have just Hebrew. It all depends. In fact, what we've done now is we made it so... Of course, you can add 18 high pictures for every uh, size venture that you have. If you have Hebrew only, if you have Hebrew with English, uh, if you add Mirat, all those things are options, and you can decide which one you want. You build your own venture. You decide at the size of the, of, the, of the booklet. But in addition to that, for those people who don't want to spend the time to look for all those pictures, uh, some people want to have a shorter kind of... Uh, uh, operation, and for that we've created a new product, which is a folding venture, basically a card uh, with three folds, four panels on each side, and that um, that way you can only you only have to choose six or six to ten pictures, and we help build that for you, uh, and then uh, and of course you know the price point for that one is uh, is less, so families who who want to have something that's personalized and, and beautiful. But uh, but not going through the larger process of you know making a more more significant booklet can do that as well. Right, and and I guess at a much more economical price. That's correct. I mean the you know the the booklet venture uh, goes from you know it can, it can be as as inexpensive as two dollars, almost two fifty, but it can go up to like ten fifty or even more depending on how many pages and how many you're basically how many you're ordering. It's mm-hmm. all depending on the size of the booklet and. And of course, the number of, uh, of booklets ordered. But the the card venture can be as, as inexpensive as a dollar sixty, or you know, as much as three seventy five, depending on how many you're ordering. Yeah. And of course, what we tried to do is, since we're ordering it from some people, since it's all made in Israel, and we're shipping it from Israel, we wanted to go fast. We wanted it to be easy. We've made. Italy, if you order a hundred ventures or more of any size or flavor, you can uh, you get free shipping. And the shipping takes about. About a week. It really can go even faster, but it's about a week. Well, I mean, and I assume that most uh, bar mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs or weddings don't come up and sneak up on people in a matter of days. You generally have, at least for a bar mitzvah, an average of about 13 years warning that that's going to happen. So uh, hopefully, please plan ahead. I've actually had people who've had to have a rush order, and uh, and we've managed to get them uh, a full, complete product within a week. So let me ask a couple technical questions that jump out at me as I'm looking at this website. And one is, it looks to me that the product that you're delivering is like a glossy cardboard. Is that accurate to say? Well, the uh, the booklet will be it's it's a uh, quality paper that's uh, that is uh, you know photo paper, 
Um, for the card, it is, uh, it's slightly thicker and it has, it's, you know, the card is fully laminated. Uh, and, uh, you can actually choose glossy or, or matte. We, we prefer glossy because it's a little bit shinier and nicer. But, uh, but most people choose the glossy, uh, the, a glossy card or a glossy cover for a, for the booklet as well. And the pictures themselves all come out, you know, really nice. Well, so that's my next question. As somebody who's done professional level printing before, uh, very often you look at something on your screen and it'll look fine, but that um, the DPI, the quality of the picture doesn't translate as well to a printed product. So I assume that somebody on your side is going to look at it and flag if that picture is not popping out on the screen the way it should. That's right. We, uh, our team on this side of the of the world in Israel, what we do is. We take every, even after you build it yourself, we'll look at every single picture at every page and make sure that it looks right. If we find a, a picture that might be, you know, that the photo image might not have enough uh, uh, pixels per square inch, et cetera, then we will tell you and we'll ask you to find a, either a better picture or exchange a picture or something like that. We always make sure the quality control is very important to us, and we make sure that we we work with you, with you know, with the uh, with the client to make sure that the the end result will look really, really good. In fact, one of the things we, we started this project about almost two years ago, but we've been, you know, uh, we've had a very soft launch to make sure that everything we do, we check and make sure that it is really high quality. We see it as a quality product, not something that is that is just, you know, put together uh, for, for the fun of it, but something that's going to really last. But quality, but very easy to do. I could see somebody sitting down and and putting this together in five minutes or five hours, if that's what they're going to pick and choose on the pictures. And in fact, your bat mitzvah girl um, very quickly can pick this up and literally make her own venture. Exactly. Well, that's the nice thing about for 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 the uh, bar bat mitzvah child uh, uh, about to become an adult. This is like uh, perfect for them because it involves all the computer stuff that they know how to do. I was going to say much and, easier uh, than their parents and, could probably do. Uh, yeah, as I was, I was going to say, it takes uh, it, it, the, the amount of time that it takes to do it depends on your age. <laughs> right. But basically, it's not it's not a it's not a hard product at all to produce. Right, and the app definitely walks you through um, everything, including some nice stock photos that you have here to fill with, and you can do um, panoramic pictures if you'll take them. Now that we can do all that with our cameras, there are some beautiful beautiful pictures of here of Israel, um, and uh, that that you're giving people the opportunity to use. Um, and it really, it looks like it could be a, um, you know, a really beautiful product and a, and a great keepsake and a, and maybe if you're doing a Shabbos bar mitzvah, totally in lieu of the slideshow. So, uh, or I would advocate the week, week weekday bar mitzvah the same thing. Um, there you go. <laughs> I, I was going to also add that, you know, you, you, you mentioned the pictures that we provide stock photos. You know, we, we wanted it to be more than just an Israel venture, although that's also nice. Uh, we wanted it to be something personalized. And because of that, sometimes families come up with other ideas. Like I had a family who wanted something that represented their their child wanted and was really into basketball. So we made a basketball venture for them. In fact, they didn't even want pictures in it. They wanted it to be really themed around basketball. So we actually have it. It's like looks like a basketball and it actually, you know, it's like very, very cool. So we were able to, uh, to, to customize, you know, a little bit more even than what a, uh, you know, than what is, you know, what is a do it yourself. 
But you, if you do have trouble, or if you want something more specific, then you can ask us, and we, we help you put that together as well. Right, so you're basically creating a one-of-a-kind venture geared specifically towards the family making the simcha, um, producing it in Israel at a lower price than it would be produced here in America and delivering it as quickly as possible in a very easy way. So I'm not sure what possibly could be wrong with this product. <laughs> well, we love it. I mean, everybody who sees it, sort of like their eyes pop out. And uh, I thought, uh, one of my uh, one of the clients we've had over a, a number of said this to me. But one told me that w- when when she gave it to when she passed out the venture at the at the event at the simcha, uh, and her family members started picking it up, and then all of the friends started picking it up and seeing you know what's usually just you know. Uh, uh, laying out on the table, you know, with, with the food, et cetera. But all of a sudden people look at the venture because you want to see it. You take that or not. They're all, they're, their eyes just shrugged out. And there were people, the older people immediately start crying and the, and the younger people just like looking at it. There's a lot of, I mean, I, I know that in my case, my, uh, my, my own, uh, my own kids, I have, uh, I have some older kids, I have some younger kids, and my, uh, my younger kids love benching now because all they want to do is see all these pictures and stuff like that, in addition to obviously singing and doing all the things that we do at the end of a meal. Right, and especially if, if a child is doing a, um, a chesed project, um, in advance of her bar bar mitzvah, this gives them an opportunity to, you know, especially with a little bit of lead time, you know, to publicize that project and to make it even more well known to uh, to the guests. Which is also one of the reasons why we make it so flexible. Uh, I had a family who wanted to do not pictures but artwork. That 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 person, that particular. Uh, in this case, there was a bar mitzvah boy who, who you know, was very into art and had a lot of his own stuff, and uh, and that was what was uploaded and put into the into the venture. Uh, I had a, another family who wanted to do one of uh, sort of like a family album because it was Bubby's eighty eighty fifth birthday, and uh, and everything about it was just so moving and beautiful. I also had other things, you know. Uh, I originally got the idea because of a. Uh, Working with a with uh, I've been in Jewish education for for some thirty years and uh, working with uh, with Israeli with with American kids who come here at the end of their program to pass out a venture with pictures of their event for a bar mitzvah family who comes to Israel who's here for a week or a week and a half and they do a bar mitzvah with the cocktail then they have they can take pictures and we'll help them and you can produce a venture that will be part of the keepsake of that experience of course also. You know, fundraisers and things like that, where where a uh, you know a, a dinner, a special event dinner, could be uh, include all these kind of anything that you wanted to upload uh, as a as a JPEG to go into this kind of a uh, this kind of a, a venture. Right. Oh, that would be really interesting. As you're running um, a shul fundraiser or you know raising money for expansion, you can keep blueprints in there and really start motivating people to. Uh, I'm going to have to write that one down for uh, another extracurricular activity I'm involved in. Um, anyway, the the, the um, website is called Let's Be- Let'sBench.com, L-E-T-S-B-E-N-C-H.com. We've been talking to Daniel Laufer, the proprietor of that uh, of that website. The, the contact information on the website works. That's how we got in touch with Daniel when we found out about it. A fabulous, I mean, just look at the website. You could immediately see how beautiful 
and memorable the product would be uh, in with your pictures around your family simcha. So, Daniel Alfred, thank you for joining us on the Stunt Show. We uh, we wish you much success in a product that looks like it serves many, many needs in our community. Well, thank you very much. This is Mark Zomek. This is the Stunt Show. We'll be right back in a moment. Hi, this is Mayor Ferdig. Please join me Thursdays at 8 on the Stunt Show right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. So I guess if there were two things that connected our guests today, it was the name Daniel, Rabbi Daniel Schoenbach, our first guest, and Daniel Lau for our second guest, and maybe printed material. But that is about it. I urge all of you to go out and look at the um, Make Your Own Bencher website, which was really fun, and uh, hopefully you can all use. That's letsbench.com. And, of course, reach out to Dr. Daniel, Daniel Schomach and read his book. This is Mark Zomek. This is The Stun Show. This is the Nachum Siegel Network. This is jamtheam.org. <laughs>